Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Kosofsky, here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Great, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great, okay. So Courtney and I are here to talk to you about the 31st annual Inside Out Festival. It's the LGBTQ plus festival and uh, in Toronto taking place from May 26th to June the 5th, an annual giant, beautiful celebratory event and full of amazing films. We're going to start off with a film that is my favorite. <laughs> and in fact, a film that hit me pretty hard uh, in terms of um, its impact. And I just felt like, you know, I haven't seen something this beautifully and um, subtly crafted in a long time when it comes to relationship films, uh, especially because I don't watch romantic comedies and this is not a romantic comedy, but usually you get this sort of intense examination of things when you get a romantic comedy. Usually people don't go into detail about relationships. So this is, is a dramatic film um, and not without its moments you know com more comedic moments but it's it's not really a comedy at all and it's called nana's boys and it's the first feature by um a producer producer like of tv and shorts and he's directed some shorts his name is ashton pina uh, he has made this it's basically what what you'd call a two-hander it's two mostly two people and they're in a fixed space and if that sounds boring like stay with me this is is like it's really intense what so it is the story of um amari and q two black men involved in in a like a long-term-ish relationship like they're talking about marriage and stuff it's amari's 30th birthday so he's rethinking things um, and and uh, Q is planning like all sorts of things to celebrate Amari's birthday. And what happens is that there is a, an explosion outside. They're in New York City. There's this explosion. They don't know what it is. All they know is that they are suddenly in a lockdown situation. And this lockdown situation causes over the course of the film for them to interact and come to terms with certain things about their relationship. And what I, I was struck by, by the film, I mean, it sounds like it's like a very uh, self-conscious kind of theatrical kind of scenario. And it is in some ways, but the way that it's actually handled by the actors, by the director, uh, it does have this like intoxicating intimacy that actually, you know, when it has those moments where I go, ooh, and I wince because it's like, uh, you know, I wish you hadn't been so obvious about that one dramatic beat. Um, then they, they, they save it, you know, and that's the amazing thing about the film. It sort of shape shifts around. It sort of ebbs and flows with the, the sort of, with the trajectory of what's happening with their I don't I don't want to say too much about their relationship but just with 
than sort of examining and re-examining what has been going on with their relationship. And it's, it's not realistic, but for anyone who's been in a long-term relationship, who has had to confront, you know, a crisis in the relationship, there is a realism there. It's, it's like, it, it's as if it's got an emotional logic, you know, and so it's, it's not actual realism, but this sort of poetic reality that, um, that I really appreciated. And I really appreciated the craft of it because it, you know, it really allows these two actors to engage with each other and build something. They're building this experience with the director for us. And I've, I saw it a few days ago and I'm still thinking about it. Oh, that's great. I, I, I enjoyed this one as well. I, I think what I liked about it is despite the premise being, you know, a, a traumatic event that has occurred in New York, it's that is just kind of like the catalyst to get them to to have this long going honest conversation about their their relationship and i like that it's a film where you have two people in this case two black men talking about complicated issues that come with relationships the ups and downs and whatnot and it all just kind of flows very well as you said there's some comedic moments there's some serious moments the as with all relationships there's highs and lows but it's done in such a fascinating way. And the fact that you essentially have two people in their apartment for most of the film, or maybe in like Central Park, whatever, for a little bit, but it's just them. And it doesn't feel like a play. It feels like an honest, like you're just kind of observing this relationship as it's unfolding. So I, I thought it was, it was really well done. And it was, and it was nice to see a film that even though a traumatic event is the, the catalyst, it's, it's not a film about trauma. It's just a film about people exactly. Yes. And, and, and the complications that come with love. And I, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. And, it, you know, credit goes to the to the director for for wanting to create a story that had two gay black men. Because, you know, I read his notes and he said, you know, if you have a, a black gay character, usually he's paired with a white person. Mm-hmm. And then we know that in cinema in general, you know, there's this tendency, there has been this tendency for, for there to be trauma happening to the black character. And it's like, in this case, it's no, it's an emotional experience um, that we're going through with them, with the two characters. And that's refreshing in its own way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's Nana's voice. I don't know if you had anything to add. No, no, I I completely agree. I think it's one that, that people should see. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure people got the title of that one again, Nana's Boys, because it sounds like we both recommend it. Yes, um, one I'm going to recommend, and and I'm going to shift gears because this is a a documentary, but it's a film called Out in the Ring um, from director Rye Levy. And it is a documentary about the rise of LGBTQ representation in the world of professional wrestling. Um, so in this film, there's a lot of interviews with, um, wrestlers from the LGBTQ community of of various, um, levels, you know, there's apparently there's a huge independent wrestling scene that was even bigger than I even imagined. But then it also talks about what we now know as the WWE and what was known as WWF back in the eighties and how they handled, um, representation and often 
you know, to the detriment of the LGBTQ community. And it's a really fascinating look. And as someone who kind of grew up as a kid watching wrestling, like the Hulk Hogan era and whatnot, and even as an adult, uh, I mean, I occasionally will turn the channel if it's on and see what storylines are, you know, the same storylines forever. But there were certain characters that I remember from my youth that even back then, looking back, it was like, yeah, they were really problematic characters, you know, uh, characters and the way how uh, homosexuality was used almost in a villainous light. You know, the wrestlers felt uh, were perceived to feel super uncomfortable if if a character like Goldust was overtly sexual towards the male wrestler, like, you know, things like that. But this film really does a deep dive into that. It talks about the scandals that plagued uh, professional wrestling and also how there's a lot of these new and independent wrestling organizations that are not only growing in popularity, but are giving diverse wrestlers a chance to be themselves and, and promote characters that are far more groundbreaking and accepting. Um, and I thought it was just really, really well done how the whole film kind of takes you through what 30 some odd years of wrestling, but in a way that doesn't feel bloated, it feels very lean. And I was, I was very interested um, by the end because I felt like there, there could be a whole other film, you know, following this, the new generation, even further than than this particular one does, but um, I, I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a a fan of of wrestling, um, it is it is an eye opening and very interesting film. How do you think that um, wrestling fans, like your average wrestling fan, would react to I, to? The- I think they will enjoy this film. I think there there's going to be a lot of knowing nods, and I think. Especially for the hardcore wrestling fans, um, there are going to be people who will be like, "Oh, I never even knew that," or "I didn't realize that I was playing into that." You know, and like the, the the film really does a good job of showing how, even for some of the um, LGBTQ wrestlers that were in the WWE over the years, how some of them had to play up stereotypes to kind of hide in plain sight and others did it because they realized the more you're a, a villainous character, the more rise you get out of the crowd and the more rise you get out of the crowd, the popular you are and the more you get to move up the title card and what have you. So it's just, it's a, it's a really delicate dance that is played by many individuals at all levels. And I think even people who are, um, long-time wrestling fans will will find it eye-opening. There's some people that are in the industry right now behind the scenes that were professional wrestlers back then that didn't come out publicly until, you know, they were in their, like, 50s and 60s. But they were, they're still within the organization, right? They're still, you know, if there was one, I think it was, like, Pat Patterson, for example. If it wasn't for him, there would be no rock, right? Like, there's there's a, a through line. That's connected with, you know, they've they've played a very important role in wrestling, even if wrestling has not portrayed them in the most positive light. So I I think this is a film that newcomers or casual fans will enjoy. And if you're a hardcore wrestling nerd, you're going to also love this film as well. That sounds great. And you saw another documentary. Yes, I saw the film um, Tramps by Kevin um, Heggie, I believe is his name. And this one focuses on the fashion movement known as the the New Romantics in England in the 70s. 
It was birthed out of East London and it has direct links to the punk movement. So what this film does is it basically introduces you to a whole bunch of individuals who are key in the London party scene um, and who were key in starting the, the new romantics. And I guess probably the most popular figure that the average person might know that's referenced in this film a lot is Boy George, um, the iconic pop singer from the 80s. And I guess he was around in the early 90s as well. But he was part of that scene. And they, and they show you essentially how you had a group of outcasts, if you want to call them misfit kids, you know, misfit teens and young adults who were just being themselves in a time when being yourselves was very dangerous, you know, and it talked about how a lot of them were in the party scene. They were squatting in dilapidated buildings for like years and whatnot, but they're always, they bonded because of their love of art and creativity. And then that art transferred into the club scene. It transferred into a whole bunch of the music scene and the fashion scene. And like a lot of the fashion that we have today that we love came from that that movement right so what they were doing you know was considered like bold and risque we now see on the fashion on the high fashion we see at the met galas you know so it's it's a really um interesting look at how art can bring people together and it could foster a, a sense of community when when there is none and it sounds like you know something where it's like a grassroots thing that's happening and then suddenly it gets sucked up into mainstream yeah mm-hmm. and mainstream and it's it's really fascinating when they talk about its connections to the punk movement because when you think of punk you think of anti-establishment uh, for a long time you, i would argue you think of like masculinity a lot of machismo and uh, you know as we've seen the punk movement has been influential in the the uk for standing up against um racism what have you but they in this film it also shows that uh the punk world and the lgbtq world kind of meshed and a lot of the punk fashion icon came from from gay culture right so it's just like it was interesting how these two worlds kind of weave together even though when you don't necessarily in your brain wouldn't associate the two they were like really um linked in ways that you wouldn't expect so that's that's amazing yeah yeah, and that film is called tramps and so that's also worth seeing terrific okay so speaking of outcasts uh do you want to talk about unidentified objects because i i see the two characters it's okay so this is another film where there's it's like mainly on these two characters um they're going on a road trip and um they they meet up in just the most bizarre circumstance. The, the circumstances bring them together. And the, 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 the ones that do bring them together are like, you don't quite understand what's going on at the beginning, but neither does uh, half of this duo um, played, who's Peter. And uh, he's played by an actor who's um, Matthew Jeffries, uh, Jeffers, sorry. and. Um, He's been like we know him from a TV, like Miss the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and things like that. And this is his first uh, feature. And in fact, the the feature itself is by a first time feature film director, Juan Felipe Zuleta. And uh, so yeah, suddenly this woman shows up one day 
And she, she's knocking at his door, waking him up. And she's like demanding that he drive her somewhere. She'll pay him, you know, and she has to like, they're in New York and she's, she's has to make it to this place in uh, Atlantic Canada, because uh, this is the, the spot where the alien abduction will happen. And so, yeah, it sounds crazy. And imagine if you're that, if you're Jeffers' character, right? And he's like, uh, no. And he's like, angry. and he's a curmudgeon to begin with. So the, and she's like this, this a l- little bit like her, her head is in the stars anyway, kind of character, you know, like more innocent and younger and sort of waif-like innocent. Um, so when the two of them get together and eventually do go on the road, it's, um, it's, it's quite fun and weird and quirky and, and kind of poignant at times as well. And that's, that's what's the strength of the film is the way that it manages to take these crazy things. And it's, you know, it's like a buddy movie. It's like a a road movie and there's a sci-fi element. So it takes like all these genres and, and sticks them together and just sort of like crafts them and interweaves them into this, like I said, fun and quirky and, and t- at times poignant piece uh, uh, where, you know, it, and then it, that's just augmented by the people they meet along the way and little twists and turns that the narrative takes, I thought were really quite clever. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting film. I don't know if it completely worked for me. I think there was maybe one or two more twist than I was uh, expecting, uh, but I, I found how they incorporated the sci-fi elements quite interesting. And, you know, you're, you're watching this film and you start to question your own sanity in terms of like what you think is real and what's not. <laughs> and like, it's just, there's, you know, and certain That's scenes play out. I liked about it. Yeah. They play it one way and then, you know, you're, you're you're following this thing for a while and then all of a sudden you realize oh wait no that's not what happened this is what happened it's like it throws you it throws you for a loop so it was it's definitely um an original work i just don't know if it it fully worked for me but i, I did like the the performances by the the two leads like i was interested in in following this journey even if i wasn't always compelled by the journey itself <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess yeah I guess it was the strength of the performances but I was completely charmed. I was just like, because in my head, I thought, okay, I, there were a couple of points where that, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, you know, something would happen and it'd be like, ah, oh, well, never mind that. Never mind logic. It just like throw that out the window, go along for the ride. Uh, sort of like he's going along for the ride, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how, how his vision of things just starts to uh, transform a little bit. So I found myself getting more, more into it, just just like he did. <laughs> so that that movie was uh, unidentified objects. Okay, and I'll throw one more. And um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of great films to see, and we're only you know just getting your appetite wet for for what's to come. But one that I found since we were talking about films that kind of take a go off the beaten path is um, Compulsus. And it is a film by Tara Thorne. And 
I guess the best way to describe it is it's a vigilante film for the Me Too era. Um, so it follows this woman, um, Wally, played by Leslie Smith, who is a poet. Um, she's been prone to having bad relationships. You know, her fr- her friends always laugh that she tends to date women who are fixer-uppers, um, you know, women that end up being, turn out to be straight, but just have a lot of problems. But um, Wally's finds herself compulsed to attack men. Um, and it's, you know, her and a lot of her friends or, you know, sit around and talk about all the bad men that they encounter, the sexist men, the men that get away with a lot of stuff. And one evening she attacks a stranger unprovoked and it kind of fuels something in her. And then she starts going around and attacking men claiming that they were sexist or rapists or what have you. And she, the actions start to gain notoriety in the press and it causes a lot of talk amongst her friends because there's a lot of women who are excited by the fact that there's someone finally standing up for them. You know, the, the film makes it clear that the, the legal system is not kind to women and it hasn't been for years. And every time you keep waiting for the system to change, it doesn't. And especially in this era, if a man, especially if he's famous, does something wrong, he basically goes off social media for a little bit, has a bit of a hiatus, but nothing happens to his career. Whereas the woman often disappears forever. Right. And you could think of, you know, Louis C.K. Or you could think of Kavanaugh. Like, you know, we don't talk about Kavanaugh's accuser anymore. Right. No, she, she her, her, her whole career was ruined just for coming out and speaking her truth. So this film kind of plays with that notion, but puts it in this vigilante who's essentially going to be the voice of justice. And it's it, it toes a very delicate line because you start to question, well, are the men that she's attacking truly bad? Like some are clearly others you don't know. And even this character that Wally starts dating, Lou, starts to challenge her on that as well. You know, how do you know for sure um, that this person was a sexist pig or a rapist, what have you. But the way how the film plays it is it makes it that when she's accusing these people of X, Y, and Z, there's a chance that they might have done X, Y, or Z, right? Like it's, you know, it's even the people who are like, oh, not all men are this or men are allies. It shows that sometimes the allies are even the worst. You know, they're actually the most <laughs> yeah. dangerous, right? So it's yeah. it, it walks a very fine line and then also starts to question whether or not she's doing it out of justice or is it she might have sociopathic tendencies um it could be both it's so it's it's a really fascinating film that i i I think is worth seeing i don't know if it completely works but um i was i was hooked the entire way through wow it sounds like the tone shifts around so in terms of genre like is there a way to classify it or is that a good thing that it sounds like it's hard to classify or you know categorize um it's definitely a, a genre film in the same vein of 
I guess if it was in the 80s, it would be like a, a death wish kind of genre. I think what makes it hard to classify is the motivations because we are filled with films. I'll use Death Wish as an example, Dirty Harry, like we even Batman, if you will, we we are prone to men taking the laws in their own hands for whatever valid reason. Batman, you know, he doesn't kill, but he takes out the crime in Gotham because a criminal killed his parents. You know, you have a gazillion films where a man's wife and kids were attacked and he just goes on a rampage, burning down the entire mafia, what have you. This is essentially that type of film, but the motivation is all the predatory men in society and a society that allows them to exist. All right. And it's funny because in this film, all the men are played by one actor, but you never see his face. Right. Oh, Which gives so that good. kind of, yeah. it could be anybody. Right. So even when they, you know, a, pers- a certain person will recognize them and they'll go, oh, Hey, weren't you at such and such a party? We never see that face because that could be any guy. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah so, and in this case, like it just happens that all the victims are are white men because of the same actor playing all the characters. But it's done in a way that this could be any guy. Like, you know, even as a male watching this, she'll say certain things. I'm like, yeah, I kind of know someone like that. You know, or I kinda, like, you know, like there's certain there's there's they make it vague enough that any man could be implicated. You know, they make it vague enough that it sounds universal enough, right? Yes, it's it's very it's very much the the universal evil is the way how men are right now in society and the way how men have been raised, right? And the fact that they look at women more as objects to be played with or abused than um, you know actual human beings. And then you also have a, a thread where the main character's sister may or may not be be abused because you keep she keeps canceling last minute with these a lot so there's the wally's character has this kind of intuition that something's going on with her sister and her husband and in many ways if you want to look at it in terms of like how we talk about superhero films the female intuition is essentially wally's superpower you know she she may not have proof but her intuition is like her spider sense saying hey something's wrong here this guy's not good something's wrong with this situation again when you start to question the morals of of her actions that's where it gets into a gray area and that's where the film i don't know if it fully sells it but again if you think back to death wish john wick what have you we don't really ask for the morality to come into play when a man's being a vigilante you know it's like well someone's got to take care of the garbage and this this film is basically saying hey women are tired of dealing with this stuff and they're going to take up the garbage themselves you know (laughs) and it ends on a powerful note uh, because wally's a poet so there's a poem that she reads at the very end that is really all about consent (laughs) you know and they've a lot of the things that happen to them, they don't consent to and, you know, and they're fed up with it. So again, it's a really interesting film. I don't know if it always works, but I was, I was fascinated to the, the end. And I think it's, it's foibles also make it really interesting as well. Cause it's a very unique concept and it's a very tough one to pull off, but I was, I was hooked. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds like one to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's called Compulsus. Um, Compulsus, yes. All right.
so that film, Compulsus, and the other films that we have been discussing are all going to be screening as part of the 31st annual Inside Out LGBTQ plus festival. Yes, and, and we should, um, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we, we should note no. that for this festival, I believe they're having, um, some films will be in person, some will be online only, and some are like a hybrid of in-person online. So whatever you're comfortable with, there, there will be stuff to watch. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for, for pointing that out. Um, did we leave anything else out? Everybody has the information, May 26th to June 5th. Yep. And uh, yeah, so happy festival, everyone. And I uh, hope you get to check a few things out. That's it for Frameline for this week. For Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Kosofsky. Like I said, this has been Frameline. Thanks for listening.